What's up, SMC 2023? Let's go. I'm so excited that you are here this morning. I am excited about where we are headed over the next couple of minutes. I introduced to y'all last night my wife, Chelsea, but I didn't get to introduce to y'all really formally the rest of our crew. And so my wife and I, we got married and, uh, you know, we enjoyed the married life for a few years and we decided, you know what, it's time to, it's time to procreate. <laughs> it's time to have some little chads, you know. So that's what I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, here we go. We about to, you know, I have all brothers. She has all brothers. I mean, I, I grew up in a boy world. I grew up in a frat house. I grew up, I, knew, I know all things when it comes to, to boys and when it comes to, to men and outdoors. And I mean, it's so sure, <laughs> surely out there, you know, I'm about to have, we're about to have us a little, a little baseball team, a little football team. We're about to have us a little dog pound running around, hoo hoo. And so my wife, she gets pregnant and um, we go to the, the gender uh, sonogram and, and they say, well, it's a girl. I said, it was a what? <laughs> you know, it's a girl. And, um, and so we, we had our first girl, and then, you know, I was like, all right, um, you know, like, this, this is a good thing. I, I like this little girl. Like, she changed my life. And so, but, I, but in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, but we're going we're gonna to bring some balance to the equation. And the second one is, well, surely, it's going to be a boy because, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's going to be a boy, you know, because that's, I mean, that's what I do. The second one, it's a girl. It's a girl, Elizabeth Rose. And I'm thinking, okay, well, surely, surely the third one. And the third one, you guessed it, we got momentum now. It's a girl. Here's a picture of me and my crew right here. Now, let me say this, because my daughters are here, I, I would not have it any other way. See, I think I knew what I needed, um, or I thought I knew that, that, I, that I needed boys, but man, these little girls, they have come into my life, and they have, they have radically changed my life. And God knew that I needed little girls to teach me about his kindness and tenderness and softness and gentleness, and like, I could not imagine doing things any different. But here, here's, what, here's what my world is like. Let me just kind of introduce you to my life. Um, I'm a minority in a sorority, right? And, uh, and I never saw this happening. So when I got married, it was a learning curve. You know, I was like, women, y'all are just different, all right? Y'all just think different. And uh, so I, I, got, I had a lot to learn when I got married. And now I've got these three little girls. And, and there are just, you know, there are just things I feel a little bit out of place at times, you know? Like, like, um, like we have a room called the Barbie room. Yeah, when I was in college, I was like, you know what, guys? <laughs> one day, <laughs> one day, I'm going to have a Barbie room. That wasn't me, you know? And if that's you, that's weird, bro. You, you shouldn't, that should not be on your goals, all right? We got a Barbie room, and so I find myself getting invited often to play with Barbies. And it's always just a little bit weird, but it's my girls, you know, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a girl dad. And so, like, I, I find myself in there like, hey, what are you doing today? You know, we're playing Barbies. And, and, um, and, and it, it can be exceptionally awkward for me. To, to think about, like, if I wasn't their dad, you know, like, what if I wasn't their dad, you know, like, and, and so this is a photo um, of my youngest, most recent ballet recital. We are, we are a dance household. Every one of our girls, they take ballet, and so, like, there are these moments when my wife's like, hey, can you go pick up the girls from ballet? I'm like, yeah, here we go. I'm in the, I'm in the swagger wagon, the man van, I'm rolling to pick up these girls from ballet. And she's always, my wife, she's such a good wife. She's like, you need to leave now. You know, we don't want to have our kids. We don't want to be those parents. Our kids are waiting 30 minutes around, you know, because y'all late. So we, I get there early, and, and I'll pull up, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my children in, in their ballet studio, and they're, they're doing ballet. And I have this thought, like, what if, what if I wasn't their dad? And just randomly at 4.30 p.m. on a Tuesday, I rolled up to the dance studio, and I'm just chilling watching. That would be weird, right? Everybody say that would be weird. Because listen, if I wasn't their dad, 
I, I, would, I would not need to be in the Barbie room, all right? If I wasn't their dad, I would not need to be at the ballet recital. Like, be, because I know my place as their dad, I understand my purpose in those environments. But when I, when I think about, like, if I wasn't their dad, I would just feel out of place, and I wouldn't really know my purpose because it would be a little bit awkward. But because I know uh, my place as their father, I can understand that the purpose of me being at the dancer's idol is like I'm there to be in a bow tie, to have flowers, and I'm there to cheer on that little five-year-old ballerina because I'm her dad. And little girls, they need their daddies. And because I understand my place in their life, I know my purpose in being there. Because I know my why, I don't feel weird. Now I'll start there this morning because if you don't know your purpose, then you're inevitably going to feel out of place. Like, have you ever been the plus one at a wedding? You know what I'm saying? Everybody's like, oh, hey, John. And then, and like, you're their, da- you're their date, and they look at you like, who are you? <laughs> you know, what are you doing here, right? You ever gone to the gym or the bar studio, and like, like you're trying to do a New Year's thing, but you really don't know what you're doing? <laughs> or you see that person, and they're like, they're using the weight equipment the wrong way? It's like, bro, like, what are you doing? And, and because you really don't know your purpose there, you really, you really feel out of place in that place. Like you'll start thinking, and when you get into awkward situations, like why am I even here? Some of you, you come to SMC this week and you really don't know your why. And so there have been things, maybe you've tried some breakouts and some experiences, and, or maybe you've been around some conversations and it feels weird to you to be talking about spiritual things because you really don't know why someone would talk about spiritual things. Like sometimes you can be in spiritual environments and you can feel out of place because you don't know your purpose. And we'll all ask ourselves from time to time, why am I here? And listen, there are environments where you ask that question but when you start asking that question about your existence, that's a whole different ballgame. When you start asking questions like, what's the purpose of my existence in life? That's a whole different ballgame. When you start feeling that, you're, that you don't know your way in life, you don't know your why in life, you can feel out of place in some of you. Maybe you've had thoughts this last year that I don't even, I don't even belong in life anymore. And some of you maybe are struggling with suicidal ideation because you don't know why you should even exist. And the, the, the answer to this question, why are you here, is one of the most important questions that you can have answered. Socrates, he said this, that the unexamined life is not worth living. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled this talk, What If You Knew Your Why? What if you knew your why? Some of you are writing that down, but I want everybody just to look at me real quick. I want to ask you a really, really important question. Why are you here? Why are you here? What, what, what is the purpose of you being here? What, why do you have breath in your lungs? Why are you at the school that you're at? And more specifically, why are you here in this moment, in this time? Why are you here? And this morning, I want to talk about your purpose, because inevitably, if you don't know your purpose, you're always going to feel out of place. This morning, I want to talk about your why, because if you don't know your why, then life is just going to feel a little bit weird. And what if this was the year that you got clarity on your purpose? What if this was the year because you made a decision to make a sacrifice to get to Branson, Missouri at this thing called SMC 2023, you got crystal clarity on why God put you on this planet? 
What if this was the year that you got clarity as to why God knit you together in your mother's womb and gave you the abilities and gave you the gifts and gave you the opportunities that you've been given? What if this was the year that you came into this session, you locked in, you sit up, and you listen up, and then you left with clarity, and you got a little bit of confidence in your step because you understood a little bit more as to why God has you here in this world? And this morning, I hope that's what will take place. There's a guy named Paul. He's like the greatest theologian in Christianity. He wrote over three quarters of the New Testament. When it comes to making an impact with his life, Paul is a guy that made an impact with his life. And Paul made an impact with his life because he had crystal clarity as to why he existed. Paul knew his purpose. Paul knew something that we all need to know. See, up until this point, we've heard a lot about how you can have forgiveness of your sins. Up until this point, we've heard a lot about how you can be pardoned from your, from your past. Up until this point, we've heard a lot about salvation and how God wants a relationship with you. And I think some of us, that's where we stop the faith journey. But here's what I've come to know, and Paul knew this, that every pardon comes with a purpose. Every forgiveness comes prepackaged with the future. That God doesn't just want to save you from your sins and from your past and from that weekend and from some of those issues. God wants to, he wants to save you from those things, but he also wants to save you and call you to some things. That God, he doesn't just want to get you in relationship with him and then that's the end. That's just the beginning. God wants to do some things in your life. Listen, if your faith only informs your failures, then it's a failing faith. If your faith only informs your failures and your past and your fallouts, it's a failing faith. Your faith should inform your failures and your fallouts and your past, but your faith should also inform your future. And Paul, he's writing a letter to a group of people just like you and me, and he's trying to help focus them on what they need to be fired up about because they want to know what matters most. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. If you need a verse to memorize this year, if that's your thing. If you need an anthem to chew on and to, and to celebrate and to declare this year, this would be a good verse. Philippians 1.21, it simply says this, for me to live is Christ. This is Paul talking. He's writing to a group of people. He's saying, this is what I'm about. This is what my why is. This is what my purpose is in life. And the reason why God has preserved these words is because this is a good purpose statement for life. Here's what he says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Let's talk about that real quick. If you're taking notes, point number one, I want you to write this down. The purpose of life, note this, is to know Christ. The purpose of life is to know Christ. If you were to ask Paul, you're doing an interview with Paul, he's up here on the stage, and you're like, Paul, Paul, what, what is the purpose in life? Why are you here? What is your why? Paul would just simply say, Jesus. He said, it's Christ. Now, now, he could have said many things, and Paul has said other things in his writings, But he just simply says, if I could put it in one word, my life statement, my word of the year, this is my word of my life, to live is Christ. I I don't know if you ever uh, talk with somebody, especially in spiritual circles, and they'll say something, and they're like, you know, you're like, what's your purpose in life? And they're like, my purpose is Christ, yo. (laughs) It's Christ. And like, say it real confidently, and you're like, wow, like, wow. Like, I don't know if anybody ever uses words around you and, like, you pretend to know what they mean, but you really don't know what they mean. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like my, my kids, they made up these words. And, um, and so one time we were drinking root beer, and my, my middle daughter, Elizabeth, I was like, how do you like it? She said, Daddy, that is sharp. I, I said, it's sharp? She said, yeah, it is sharp. I said, well, what, what do you mean by sharp? And she said, well, sharp is sharp, Daddy. It's sharp. We took a sip of that root beer. I said, you know what? 
It is chart. <laughs> you know, I just went with it. You know, we just say, so we have this word we just made up. And I think sometimes we'll be in circles like this and like we'll hear phrases or we'll hear terminology and, and like we'll just kind of nod our head. Be like, yeah, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. My word of the year, Christ. But to live is Christ. I'm a, that's my life. You know, what, what you about? I'm about living Christ. And then somebody says, well, what does that mean? And you're like, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean, Paul? I don't know, sometimes I'll be reading the Bible, and I'm like, what does that mean? What do you mean to live as Christ? How does that play out? What, what exactly are you saying? Well, let me give you some color to it. Here, let me, just, let me just note this. I've already said this, but the purpose of life is to know Christ. So when Paul says to live as Christ, he's talking about knowing Christ. Now, I could have picked a dozen of other verses to, to support this statement, but you can just flip over a couple of pages, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, and Paul, he's, he's saying, I, I want to know Christ. And he's saying, this is, like, this is the thing that I want to pursue and I want to agonize over. This is kind of a callback to last night that you, wanna, you, you want to, to, to be somebody that is diligent, that is, oh, God, you are my God, earnestly, I'm going to seek you. And this would mark Paul's life. And he says, I want to know Christ. And when he uses that word, no, he could have used a few different Greek words, but the, the, the word he didn't use, he didn't use the word doxa because that just means like you're going to read some or you're going to you're going to get some hearsay somebody told me about this thing and so yeah I got a little bit of knowledge about it Paul he could have used the word episteme that that's like book knowledge like I read some books about Jesus but he uses the word gnosis and what he means is like I want to know by experience what Paul is saying is that I have tasted and I have seen that Jesus is good and I just got to ask you one more time do you know Jesus not do you doxa Jesus like not that you've heard about Jesus from somebody else do you know Jesus personally? Not that you epistemate Jesus, not that you've read some things or some blog posts or some Instagram bios, not that you've read some things about Jesus, but do you gnosis Jesus? Do you know him by experience? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Has there been a time in your life where you realize you need salvation and you turn from your sin and you trusted Christ as your only hope for salvation? And then you begin to follow him and you've learned by experience that the Lord is good. Have you done that? I know for me, there was this tension in my household. I shared with you some of my story yesterday that when I grew up in this, in this weird environment where, like in the South, I'm from the South, and, and you get like a birth certificate and a Bible. <laughs> like everybody just kind of assumes that you know God. And so, well, there'll be a lot of spiritual talk, and, you know, at pep rallies, we'll say prayers, and they'll put Bible verses on our lockers before the game on Friday night. But then, but then it's just confusing because you got kind of this spiritual thing, but then you have all of this worldly stuff that's just not pleasing to God, and, and that's just kind of how a lot of the South is. And so as I got older, I started realizing like there's, there's, there's some conundrums here. There's, there's some inconsistencies here. And I was living in a household. I told you all that my dad was incarcerated when I was 16. And, and I didn't tell you the back. The, the rest of the story was that we lost our house. My mom moved in with her boyfriend about an hour away. My dad went to rehab. I got him out of rehab about this time of the year. And then we went back, and I moved in with my dad and my two older brothers, and my oldest brother was like the king of the frat house. And so we had like a party after a party after a party at the house I was living in when I was 16. And so when I was 16, like I was in the environment that was turning up. And so like I saw firsthand all of the, the glory of the party, but I saw all of the pain of the party too. And I had another brother, and he was following Christ at the time, and he had written on this dry erase board, John 10.10, and this verse, it loomed in our kitchen, and it says this, The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life abundantly. 
And so imagine this, 16-year-old self, I'm seeing the party play out. I'm seeing the people get so intoxicated that they're getting naked and walking around the front yard. I'm seeing the people get so intoxicated that they're getting angry and firing off gunshots out in the driveway. I'm seeing the party go so crazy where it starts fun, but then it turns about midnight and it gets really, really toxic. And people are sleeping with people that they wouldn't normally sleep with. I'm seeing all of this take place, not as a participant, but as a spectator by God's grace. But yet I'm seeing the words of God loom over it all, that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm at my 16-year-old self realizing that there's not life and fulfillment in this environment, even though it has the appearance to be so. Because I'm there also in the aftermath, in the hangovers. I'm there, I'm the one that's picking up all the, the beer cans and putting them in the trash bags. I'm there that's having to smell the smells and clean up the mess. And so I'm seeing the emptiness of the party, but then I'm also seeing the promise of Jesus that I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So there was this tension inside of me and it came to a boiling point my sophomore year in college. And I said, oh God, I, I need to know you because I've, I've experienced enough life at this point in my life to realize that there's not life in anything that promises to have life outside of you. And God, I'm ready. I, my heart is re, it's, it's seasoned, it's ripe, it's broken. And my sophomore year of college is when I made a decision that I'm going to begin to follow Jesus Christ. I need forgiveness of my sins, but God, I need more than forgiveness. I need a future with you. I need pardon for my past, but I need more than a pardon. I need a purpose to live for in life. And I'm come here to tell you by God's grace that he, if he can save me, if he can work in this situation, he can work in anyone's situation. And he wants you to know him, not by someone else, not by some books. He wants you to know him personally. Have you done that? Have you come to know Jesus personally? I know for me that when I came to know Jesus personally in college, this impacted my future. It impacted my purpose. I started to understand with greater clarity what is my why. I want you to think about your life real quick like this ladder. And if your ladder, or if this ladder represents your life and each rung on the ladder represents a decade of your life, I want you to ask yourself, what am I living for? You know, what am I gonna spend my days climbing towards? And some of you, you've come in here this morning and like, like from as, as early back as you remember, like you, you wanted to be everyone's best friend. Like you want to be the best friend, so you spent your teenage years, like you, you were at everybody's, you know, party, um, you followed everybody on social media, you're like, what's your handle, I'm going to like everything, I'm going to comment on everything, and I'm just going to emoji everybody's post to death because I want to be everybody's best friend. Then you got to college and you're like, all right, what Greek life am I getting into and how can I be like the BFF of everybody, you know what I'm saying? And then you, you're playing, okay, when I graduate, I'm going to move to this town and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock in with these people and I'm just going to be a support system, I'm going to be a good counselor. I was going to be a good friend. Others of you, maybe you're living for like accomplishments, you know, and as early as you can remember, like you, somebody said, man, you are good at this. And so you started, you know, I'm going to be the best athlete. So teenage years, you got the letter jacket with like all the patches and on the back too. You know, you know what I'm talking about? That person like spent $1,200 on their letter jacket. Come on. And then you went to college and, and maybe you're playing college sports and like you're getting more accolades or, or maybe you're not. You're, you're in Greek life or some other deal. And you're like, I'm going to be the president of this thing. I'm going to rise to the top so that when you get into corporate, you can be the best worker and so that you can climb the ladder of accomplishments. Others of you, you've come in here and you're, you're really just wanting to live out the American dream. You know the American dream? 
you're wanting to do better than what your parents did. And the American dream, it, it kind of goes like this, that, that in your teenage years, you, you, know, you score well on the ACT so that you can get into the college, so that you can get a part of the, the network of, of you know, th that college or in that fraternity, so that when you get into your 30s, you can get the job, you can meet the person, so that once you meet the person, you can date them for a while, y'all can have some fun, and then you can get married, and in your 40s, you know, you, you've, you've established your family, and, and now you're, you're saving up for that house, and, and you know, you're hoping to get that house, but interest rates are like 12%, so you don't know if you're going to get it in your 40s, but maybe by your 50s, you're like, all right, we got the house, and then you start planning for retirement, you think, okay, I'm going to retire, uh, maybe at the end, in my mid-50s, and then, and then I'm going to get into in my 60s, I'm going to get the beach house, you know, the beach house, that's in, it's in Florida, you know what I'm talking about? And so you get the beach house in Florida, and then in your 70s, you're going to have your grandkids coming, and you're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to enjoy my grandkids, we're going to cruise on this boat, and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to walk the beach, and I'm going to collect seashells, and then one day I'm going to die, and I've lived the American dream, and I'm going to stand before God Almighty, and he's going to say, what did you do with your life? And you're going to say, God, worked hard, built a family, I retired early, I got the beach house, we had a boat, and God, I spent, I spent the rest of my days collecting seashells. I live the American dream, God. All the gifts and all the abilities, and all the opportunities that you gave me, they culminated with me spending my twilight years collecting seashells for your glory. And listen, beach houses aren't bad. Seashells aren't bad. These are my seashells. I, got, I collected these. Retiring early ain't bad. Buying that house in that neighborhood, it ain't bad. Building a family, it ain't bad. Going to college and Greek life, it ain't bad. Getting the right ACT score and trying to get into the school and build your life, it ain't bad. But so often, what we do is that we, we compromise the ultimate for what we deem to be important in our culture. And listen, none of those things are bad, but my question is how can you leverage those things for the glory of Christ so that you can allow your why to drive everything that you do? And for Paul, what he's saying is for me to live is Christ. I wanna know Christ. I don't wanna let the important trump the ultimate. I, I, I want my life to be marked with crystal clarity as to why I do these things. I don't wanna chase any other dream. I learned a long time ago to quit praying, God, would you bless my plans? And to start praying, God, would you help me to know your plans for my life? See, for me, when I was in college, I started out as a biology degree major because I wanted to go into the medical field because I, I grew up with, we didn't have a whole lot of money growing up. And so the thing I was trying to climb, the thing I was trying to get done was I wanted to make money so that I didn't have to put my kids through some of the things that I had to go through. And so like that was the trajectory that I started out upon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get the degree and I'm going to go to the, the medical school. I'm going to do the things so that I can get financial security. But listen, God changed my life. He forgave me of my sin. And then he gave me a future. And he said, if you're going to go into the medical field, it's going to be because I told you to do that, not because you're telling me what you're going to do. And I begin to pray, God, what are your dreams in my life? Why are you here? What's your purpose in life? Why are you in the major that you're in? Why are you in the Greek life that you're in? What is your plan with the sport you're playing? 
Why are you at the job that you're working? What are you living for? Why are you here? And what if, what if this was the year that you sought to know Christ and understand your why like never before? See, the purpose of life, when, when Paul says, for me to live is Christ, what he's saying is, I want to know Christ. I want to spend my life understanding his purpose in my life. I want to know him. And if you're taking notes, you could write this down. But the second thing is for you to know Christ and to make him known. Let me give you the verse real quick. Here's what it says in verse 22. Paul says this. He goes on. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he says, but if I live on in the flesh, he says, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. This word labor, it literally means to sweat. It's the same word that's used when, when, a, when a woman's giving birth to a child. It's, it, what Paul's saying is that the work I'm doing here, it's not easy is what he's saying. It says in verse 23, it says, For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He says, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And he says, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. When Paul says to live as Christ, what he's saying is that the purpose of my life is to know Christ and to make him known. I want to know Christ and I want to make him known. The rungs on Paul's life were given to make known Jesus Christ. The rungs on Paul's life were given to know Jesus Christ. Paul, he was laboring to tell people about Jesus. Listen, if you haven't figured this out, the world is hopelessly lost without Jesus Christ. The problem is critical. The pathway is clear and the solution is you. That God wants to use you to make known Jesus Christ. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the workers are few. And the reason why so many people are meandering through life with no meaning is because they have no mission. I'll talk with young adults all the time and, and they'll say, man, I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm in a, I'm in a, a lull, you know, I'm just kind of in a desert. I'm just, I'm, I just, man, I just, God, I just ain't really doing much. I'm like, okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll run them through the diagnostic. I'm like, well, tell me about, your, tell me about the time you're, you're spending with the Lord. Like, yeah, I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, okay. Um, how's it going with your, your struggles? Like, are you looking at pornography? Are you struggling with anxiety? They're like, man, I, I really feel like I'm battling my struggles really, really well. And then I'll ask them this question, who was the last person you shared your faith with? And I was talking with an individual at one point in time, and he, he said, I, I've never shared my faith. And I just looked at him and I said, I think that you are buying into a version of faith that is not in the Bible. And if you think that all of this is about you getting information to help you be a better you, you've misunderstood the greater call of God. God has called you on a mission. And the reason why you're kind of nodding off some of you in your faith is because you're not living out your faith. That God wants you to know him, but listen, he doesn't want to stop there. You cannot be fired up about knowing God without being fired up about other people knowing who you know. Who do you know that needs to know who you know? And Paul, what he's saying, this is what I labored towards. This is what I've given my life towards. That, like, what would it look like by your senior year of college if you could look back and say, man, I led this person to Christ. I led that person to Christ. Or I faithfully shared Christ in this sorority or in this fraternity or in this environment. What would it look like if you leveraged this season of your life to look a little crazy, to have some little uncomfortable conversations, but what if you could say with integrity at the end of your college career, God used me? That's my story, man. 
God got a hold of me my sophomore year. I started living on mission for him, and I ain't looked back because there's no better life than the obedient life. There's no greater life than following Jesus Christ. This is the purpose. This is the mission. This is the reason why God gave you breath in your lungs, that you would be aligned and united with him, and that you would spend your days, whatever and wherever God calls you, and you would make him known amongst the world. I mean, you gotta, you got to break the play. I mean, you got to break the huddle and run the play. I don't know if you're a Chiefs fan or not, but I mean, I, I'm so fired up about the Chiefs right now. We're going we're gonna to win it. We're going to run it. We're making a run, all right? And, like, I want you to imagine you watch, we're watching the Chiefs game, and, like, you know, like, the, we're, we're, uh, Mahomes is mic'd up, you know, and, and uh, so we can hear the conversation going on, and they got the huddle, and he's like, he's like, Kelsey, you're my dog, you know, like, greatest tight end, you know, and, and he's, like, hyping Kelsey up, and Kelsey's like, bro, bro, half a billion? <laughs> Come on, man, like, you buy dinner tonight, you know, like, they're just hyping each other up, delay a game. Big Red, Coach Reed, he's like, what are y'all doing? Mahomes like, I, I got it, I got it. And they get back in, and like Mahomes, he starts, he starts talking to, um, you know, one of, the, one of the other guys. He starts, he's saying, uh, <laughs> one of the receivers, I was going to say, uh, I was going to say Tyreek, but he gone. Anyway, so like he starts talking to McCall Hartman, something like that. And, and like he's like, man, how's the injury going? And like he's checking in on him, and like he's like, yeah, man, my, my knee, you know, another delay of game. Big Red, Coach Reed's like, what do y'all do? He's like, I got, I got it, I got it. And then they get back in the huddle, and, and then you hear Mahomes again, and he's like asking the O-line, he's like, hey, do y'all, y'all know what we're doing? Y'all know the play? And, and the O-line's like, yeah, yeah, we know the play. And like they start like reciting the play to one another, and, and another delay of game, and Coach Reed's like, what are y'all doing? And we would all be thinking, bro, bro, you, you can't just encourage one another in the huddle. You can't, just, you can't just check in on one another's injuries in the huddle. You can't just ask, do you know the play in the huddle? Bro, you got to break the huddle and run the play. And I think we all know that, but if we are not faithfully committed to stacking hands metaphorically and breaking the huddle and running the play that God has called us to do, then we're missing out on the whole meaning of the mission of God. Does God want you to care for each other? Yes. Does he want you to encourage each other? Yes. Does he want you to, to refresh one another and make sure you know the play? Yes. But he wants you to, listen, listen, break the huddle. Run the play. That's what he wants you to do. Who do you need to know that needs to know who you know in Christ Jesus? Paul, he says here in verse 24, he says, this is what's needed. He says, I, you know, y'all needed me to help you understand God's plan for your life. They, there was, there was, there, there was, there were these people, only Paul could reach them. He, Paul needed, they needed them. Don't you know that somebody in your life needs you to connect them to Christ? I told you I'm a Chiefs fan, and my brother, he's a Chiefs fan on a whole new level. My brother, he's actually friends with the Mahomes family. We're from the same hometown in East Texas. And so my brother, he gets all, these, he gets all this access, man. He gets all this privilege. Like, he went to this gala, and him and Patrick were hanging out. He tells me all about it. I'm like, so cool, cool. Well, when are you going to get me into the game? You know, like, because I don't know Patrick. Like, he knows Patrick. And, and so this year was the year. I've been up in KC five years, and this is the, the first year that this has happened. My brother called me up, and he's like, hey, man, check this out. All right, we got some box seats to the Bills game. I was like, hello, I'm in. All right? And so here's a picture of me and my brother right here. We, at the, we in the box, you know, front row of the box. I ain't trying to make y'all jealous. But anyway, so we up there. And like my brother, he's such a Chiefs fan that he's wearing Kelsey's college jersey. All right, you know you're a real fan when you know the college of these folks. Anyway, so we're up there and like they come to us and, and like the second quarter, there's a guy named Dante Hall. So that'll mean somebody, to, that'll mean something to somebody. He comes up and, and like he asked to speak with me. Dante Hall, 
the joystick. All right, he's like, he's like a really big deal in Chiefs legend lore. Anyway, like I get to talk with Dante for a minute. And then in the fourth quarter, they come out and say, hey, we got these press passes. We can go actually hang out with the, the players after the game. I was like, come on, you know, hello, somebody. So I walk in and, and like my brother, like he, he hollers at Patrick. Patrick, come say what's up to my brother. And I'm just standing there like, yeah, I'm with him. You know, and then like we're hanging out with Patrick's dad after the game. And we're just talking like, like we just, we talking like we boys. I'm like, yeah, so what, you know, what's going on? What's going on, Patrick? You know, like I'm just trying to fit in. And, and anyway, the only way I had a chance to get that sort of access is because I knew the right person. I needed my brother to invite me into that opportunity. And the reason why I share that with you is, listen, someone needs you to invite them into the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. There is someone that you do life with. That God has positioned you. He's given you an affinity with that person so that you would connect that person and just share with that person about how they can have access to God Almighty. Listen, the purpose of your life is to know Christ and to make him known. Who do you know that needs to know who you know in Christ Jesus? And what if this was the year that you sought to know Christ and make him known? I don't know if you're anything like me, but man, when I start thinking about like back in the day, if somebody would say, hey, you need to share Christ with somebody, I'd be like, I don't know what to say. You know, like, I need some help. Can you give me some direction? And, and listen, there's some incredible opportunities that are being made available to you where you can get, you can get the, the infrastructure that you need. You can spend this second decade of your life, your, your 20s right now, doing the things that you need to do so that you can get the infrastructure you need so that you can share Christ clearly with people for the rest of your life. I think about some of the things that you're going to hear about today. Kaleo is one of those things. What if this was the year that you made the sacrifice to go spend a summer so that you could know Christ and you could understand how to make Christ known clearly so that when you come and you get into a young adult ministry like mine and I invite you to invite someone to know Christ, you would know what to say. You would have clarity and confidence with what the gospel is and how to articulate this. And you would be able to say with clarity, this is my purpose. This is my why. And I made a sacrifice in a thing like Kaleo or, or getting involved in Stumo or getting involved in something that's going to train you for godliness. Don't spend your life on anything else. Because your life is meant to be marked by knowing Christ and making Christ known. Paul, let me call back to verse 21. He says this, for me to live is Christ. But note this, Philippians 1.21, he says, to die is gain. To die is gain. Point number three, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. The peace of death. The peace of death. To die is gain. To die is gain. To die is gain. Who says that? You know, what are you most looking forward to in life, Paul? Dying. That's dark, you know. Like to die is gain? What, is, what does he mean by that? Listen, the reason why Paul can say this is because of Paul's life's purpose. See, if Christ is your purpose, then death is your promotion. If Christ is your purpose, then death is your promotion. This word gain, it's, the, it's where we get the word uh, lucrative in the Greek. Lucrous. He's saying, man, one of the most, the, the most lucrative thing I can think of is being together with Jesus in heaven is what Paul's saying. 
To live as Christ while I'm here, while I have breath in my lungs, in this, in this part of my eternity, I'm going to spend it knowing Christ and making Christ known. And I cannot wait to be with Christ forever. Listen, I think, I think that sometimes we, we downplay heaven. You know, like we'll, maybe you've been to a funeral and, and somebody's life got cut short, unfortunately, and, and you'll hear things like, well, well, at least they got heaven. Or you'll say things, you'll hear things like, well, well they, just, they just died so young. But if they know Christ, we should be like, man, they got a promotion, you know. And like there's this tendency for us to downplay heaven. But listen, heaven's going to be amazing. And, and if you give your life to following Christ, there should be a sense of like, man, I can't wait to, to be in heaven for eternity. All the pleasures and all the glories that you can experience in this life are but a whiff in the nostril of our humanity compared to the glories and the pleasure to come in Christ for eternity. Heaven is eternity with God without the sting of sin. It's a restored heaven and earth. It's not playing harps in the celestial choir all the time. It's like every good thing that you've ever experienced, but only better. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to Cabo San Lucas, or at least you've heard about it. Like, man, that's one of my most favorite places in the world. I've been there one time, and I can't wait to go back again, Lord willing. And so it's this beautiful place, and we went there. But as soon as we got there, and we went out to the ocean, I slipped on a rock, and I sliced my foot open. A couple of days later, I was swimming with my wife. We was Cabo and we was having a good time. The tide came in, almost drowned to death. But other than that, it was a nice experience. <laughs> My point is this, that even the most beautiful places here, they're still, they're still marred. There's still something broken. And even the most heavenly of places. And when we die, if we know Christ, eventually he's going to redeem it all. And paradise lost will be paradise regained. And when Christ is your life, listen, you get life now and forever. But note this, if anything other than Christ is at the center of your life, then death will be your greatest enemy. See, if you don't have the purpose of Paul in life, then you can't have the peace of Paul in death. But if Christ is your purpose, if Christ is your why, then death is your promotion. When I was a junior in college, one of my teammates, Jay Walls, what we called him, he died. I don't know if you've had to bury a friend of yours recently. Just a week before Christmas, I attended a funeral for one of our young adults. She was 30 years old. She had brain cancer. She died. There's something so tragic about death. When I was in high school, we buried six of my friends in high school. Death is something that many of you are familiar with, some of you more than others. But here's the reality. We're all going to die someday. And if you have this why, if you have this purpose in your life, you can face the greatest enemy that comes for us all. And you can face it with peace, knowing that that is the thing that is going to promote you to the place and to the person that your soul was made for. Why are you here? What are you living for? What is your only hope in life and in the one to come? If, you're, if your life is this ladder, are you living for education? 
If your life is this ladder, are you living for great relationships and great spouses? Are you living for successes? Are you living to make a lot of money? Are you living to get into that nice house in the right neighborhood with the succulents on the middle of the table? Are you living to have a great marriage? Are you living to be an influencer on social media? Are you living to travel the world and have great adventures? Are you living to be respected? Are you living to have that life that everybody wants and it's Instagram perfect? Are you living to have a balanced life? And are you living to have a most, to be the most peaceful person and to have great the right zen or whatever the thing is, listen, all of those things might be important, but they're not ultimate. The one thing that is ultimate is the one thing that will last forever. And listen, when you make all of those things ultimate, then death will be the undertaker of them all. But when you understand that Christ is ultimate, then these things can have their right place and you can have the right perspective on your life. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, that you cannot have the peace of Paul in death if you don't have the purpose of Paul in life. Why are you here? What is your purpose? And what if this was the year that you knew your why? When I was a, a freshman in high school, we were reporting for two days. And I was, I was playing uh, receiver at the time. I didn't get my growth spurt yet. <laughs> you know, so I was playing receiver at the time. And um, I went out for a pass, and the, and the pass was low. And I, I felt like I jammed my finger. But when I raised my left hand up, I realized it wasn't a jammed finger. It was a dislocated finger. I don't know if you've ever dislocated something, but it ain't right. <laughs> All right. And so I looked up at my finger, and it was my ring finger. And, like, the top part of my finger was not where it was supposed to be. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I need to go to the trainer, you know. And I was like, I, this it was out of place. And listen, if I didn't do something immediately to reset the thing that was out of place back into its right place, then my finger would have never been able to serve its purpose. Like imagine if I was like, oh, that ain't right. That's out of place. It'll be all right. It'll work itself out. Like I would be that guy with the weird fingers, you know? Like I'd be up here talking and you, all you could look at was my finger. Like, like does he know his fingers? You know what I'm saying? Like I'd be that guy. If you recognize that something is out of place and you think that it's just going to fix itself and you'll eventually find its purpose, listen, that's not how it works. That's, that's not how it works with a dislocated finger and that's not how it works in life. And we can laugh about a dislocated finger and it's all reset and it's all fine, but listen, we can't laugh about a dislocated life. And many of you, you've come in here this morning and if you were to assess your life, you would say, man, my life is out of place. The reason why I don't know my purpose, the reason why I'm just kind of shuffling through college and the reason why I keep changing my majors and the reason why I don't know where I fit is because really my, my life is dislocated. I feel out of place. I don't know my purpose. And this morning, I want to challenge you to make a decision today to reset the things that are out of place and to refocus your life on what God says is most important. Because listen, in a hundred years, all that will matter is what you did with Jesus and for Jesus. It won't matter how well your football team did. It won't matter how much money you made. It won't matter how fine she was. It won't matter how much fun you had. It won't matter where you got to live, what you got to do. In a hundred years, all that will matter is what you did with Jesus and for Jesus. 
I wish I could tell you that I was able to reset my finger, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't able to do that myself. I had to go and I had to surrender my hand over to my trainer. I had to recognize that it was broken. And I had to say, would you take it from here? And he, with all of his might and all of his strength, began to reset my finger. It was a painful process, but it was a necessary process because if I was gonna do the things that my hand was created to do, I was gonna need to have someone else outside of myself to reset that which was broken. And then I was gonna have to make a commitment to keep working this thing out so that I can continue to do the thing with my hand that it was created to do. What are you trying to tell me, Chad? Some of you, you cannot reset that which is broken in your life. You need to surrender your life over to Jesus Christ. He is your maker. He's the one that created you. He's the one that loves your soul. He's the one that died for you. And he is the only one that can ultimately reset that which is broken inside of you. And some of you are sitting here with your life trying to reset your life. It's not going to work. You're going to have to surrender your life into the hands of your maker. And he knows what to do. What does that look like? Well, well for me, it, it looked like me recognizing my brokenness. Surrendering my life over to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I, I can't do this anymore. I need your forgiveness. I've heard, about, I've heard about you dying on the cross. I heard about you raising from the grave. I've heard about it here, but I need it here. And God, would you reset that which is broken in my life? For me, it was a prayer. That was my starting point. And then after I prayed that prayer, I got up and I made a commitment to turn from my sin and to follow Jesus Christ and to aim my, li my life, not perfectly, but progressively at following Jesus Christ. And some of you need to do that today. I'm gonna to invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes. I just wanna ask you a couple of questions, just kind of a review, a little pop quiz, give you an opportunity to reflect upon that which you've heard. And I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna move on with the rest of our morning, the rest of our day. We've got some great things lined up for y'all. Question number one, why are you here? What is the underlying why behind your whole existence? If somebody were to ask you, what are you all about? Why are you here? What would you say? And listen, there's a ton of things that you can live for, but there's only one thing that matters most. Why are you here? If the answer to that question isn't to know Christ and to make him known or something similar, then when your life is over, and it'll be over sooner than you think. Death never RSVPs, it always comes surprise. If your life is living for anything other than Christ, when death comes, it'll be the undertaker of it all. In a hundred years, you'll just live a life that really won't matter. And eternity won't tell the story of anything that you've done because it'll all be burned up in the end. But if you use your career, you use your college, if you use your, your calling, if you use your charisma, if you use your character, if you use what God's given you to know him and to make him known. Some of you, you'll go into ministry. Some of you, you'll go into business. Some of you will be a stay-at-home mom. Some of you will, will be the, the, the chair of this, of this organization. God's going to use you in so many ways. But if you'll use whatever he's called you to do to know him and to make him known, that is a life well lived. And your story will echo in eternity. 
as we raise a glass in heaven and we tell the stories of God's faithfulness as we served him faithfully with the days, the moments, the years of our life. Why are you here? Question number two, are you dislocated? If you're dislocated, only God can reset that which is broken. He's the maker of your soul. Sin dislocated it, and you need him to reset it. The way you do that is you ask God to save you from your sin. You trust him that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, and you live your life following him. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for my friends. I pray that you would bless them with the energy that they need to be obedient to your word. God, I pray that we would all take these words to heart. God, help us to be found faithful servants of you. God, you, you knit us together in our mother's womb. God, you, you, you called us to be your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works in which you prepared in advance for us to do. And so, God, I pray that we would just align our hearts with your dreams, with your goals, with your purpose for our life. And this morning would be one of those mornings where, where the light bulb goes off, where we get clarity as to what our purpose is, where we understand our why where we begin to do the things and aim our life at the things that matter most, that we would seek to know you and to make you known. And so that when we are at the end of our days, whenever that comes, and we look at death, our greatest enemy in the face, we can say that death is just the gardener that's gonna bring forth new life for the Christian. We can say death is, 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 the, it is the, the most painful thing people can go through, but for the Christian, it's a promotion. And so God, give us that purpose in life so that we can have that peace in death. Help us to live for nothing else. In Christ's name I pray, amen.